Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Bobby Womack, the poet, the preacher, some say uh, the last soul man, but for years people used to call him the guy who slept with Sam Cooke's wife. It's crazy because when black artists did music back then, they called it color music and, and Bobby was actually around when the title soul music first started working with uh, Sam Cooke, James Brown, and Ray Charles. Another fact is, when people think of left-handed guitar uh, players, most people think of Jimi Hendrix, but Bobby was doing it too around that time. Let's get into Bobby Womack's story right now. Bobby Womack was born March 4th, 1944 in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, Bobby came from a big family. He was the third oldest of uh, five boys from his parents. And on his mom's side, now his mom had eight brothers and seven sisters. And his dad on his side, his dad had seven brothers and eight sisters. He came from a big family. Now, growing up, they were real poor. I mean, they was living in a one-bedroom shack sharing the bed he was sharing the bed with his brothers while his parents slept in the living room i mean they were so poor they had to pick through the garbage and, and sometimes they had nothing to eat and they would just pray and drink water and their dad would tell them that they was fasting for jesus but their mother used to tell bobby and his brothers that they're gonna have to sing their way out of the ghetto now when it comes to singing Bobby and his brothers used to mock and imitate their father and his friends when they would come over and practice singing for their gospel group called The Voices of Love. After their dad heard them imitating him and his friends one day, he was impressed how they sounded and he decided to form a group with his sons called the Womack Brothers. Now see, Bobby was his dad's favorite son because he was outspoken and bold. When he broke the string on his dad's guitar, if he didn't want a whipping, he had to prove to him that he could play. Left-handed with the guitar upside down, Bobby started playing and brought tears to his father's eyes. And his father ended up buying all of them guitars. Now, when they became a group, the Womack brothers started singing in churches and performing with groups like the Five Blind Boys and other known gospel groups around the way but see the biggest gospel group at that time was called the soul stirrers 
which was led by young Sam Cooke. And they was coming into town and their father was going to ask uh, Sam Cooke them if his sons could open up for them. Now see, even back then, Sam Cooke was the man. After replacing R.H. Harris, who was the lead singer, when Sam Cooke came to the group, he had girls falling out, crying all over him in church. And he was the reason that a lot of the young people started going to church during that era, which made a lot of the uh, pastors and the preachers mad. After meeting Sam Cooke, he liked them and, and he encouraged them to keep doing what they do. And Sam promised to help them. Now, after Bobby and his brother started going on the road, that's when they started to meet other up-and-coming gospel singers like Aretha Franklin, Marvin Gaye, and the Staples Singers. Around 1954, they met a guy who had did some work with the OJs before they became famous. I think the OJs was called the mascots then. But um, the guy, he wanted to work with the Womack brothers, but he wanted them to do bebop music. But see, Bobby's father, he wasn't having that because he thought that type of music was the devil music. But the guy convinced their father with $300. And they ended up recording their first single title, Buffalo Bill. Bobby was only 10 years old at the time. Now, the crazy part is, the next day, the guy who recorded the song claimed somebody stole the songs. And somehow the songs ended up on the radio with somebody else's name on it. Now, by this time, right, Sam Cooke had left gospel music and started singing secular music with his own record label called SAR Records, which stood for Sam and Alexander Records, his manager at the time. His song, You Send Me, was the number one hit on both Billboard Rhythm and Blues records charts and the Billboard Hot 100. Sam Cooke, he wanted to sign the Womack Brothers, but he wanted them to do secular music because he told them ain't no money in gospel music. Now, once they got with Sam, he changed their names to the Valentinos and they released a single title, Looking for Love, which hit number eight on the R&B charts and crossing over to number 72 on the Billboard Hot 100. After that, Sam put them on the road with James Brown. Now see, Sam Cooke and James Brown, they, they really didn't like each other, but they respected each other. And James Brown told Bobby that he was jealous of Sam Cooke because he was good looking and he wasn't. Around that time, James Brown was doing his thing with the songs Please 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 and Try Me and Sam put them with James to learn because they needed discipline now Bobby said one time with James Brown James Brown had hit him upside his head with the drumstick so hard that he started crying because he wasn't paying attention that's how James Brown was he was no joke now singer Solomon Burke who y'all probably know from the song Cry to Me that was on the movie Dirty Dancing with Patrick Swayze was another mentor for them at the time also. Now, Solomon Burke showed Bobby and his brothers how to hustle because he was selling food and other stuff to make money on the road, which James Brown didn't like. That's why Solomon Burke left. Also around that time, right, they met 
Jimi Hendrix, who was trying to get a job with Sam Cooke as a guitarist, but he later ended up connecting with Little Richard and then the Osley Brothers and later doing his own thing, becoming a major star. Bobby and Jimmy, they was cool. I know one incident, Bobby uh, said his brother uh, Harry threw Jimmy's guitar out the window because he thought he stole his money. But anyway, in 1964, Bobby and the Valentinos released a single title, It's All Over Now, which really didn't do good on the charts, but Sam Cooke told Bobby that a British group named the Rolling Stones loved the song and wanted to record it. Now, Bobby was mad at first that they wanted the song until Sam Cooke broke down the business to him about publishing. After the Rolling Stones went number one with the song, that's when Bobby received a check for $30,000 in royalties and was glad that he gave them the song then. Sam Cooke, he used to school Bobby though. He was always telling him, never give away your publishing because that's how you're gonna feed your family forever. And that's some knowledge right there for all you up and coming artists. Publishing is important. Now anyway, now Sam and Bobby became real close because Sam loved Bobby's style when he played the guitar, which led to him working more with Sam instead of his brothers, which kind of created problems between Bobby and his brothers. In 1963, right, after President John F. Kennedy was shot and killed, Sam Cooke recorded a song that he wanted Bobby to hear called A Change Gonna Come. After hearing the song, Sam Cooke asked Bobby for his opinion, and Bobby said the song sounded like death. Sam Cooke's record label, they wanted to put the song out as a single, but Sam didn't. Sam really didn't want to put the song out, which caused a lot of fighting between him and his management because the song really bothered him and, and, and it just didn't feel right to him. Sam said that song just came to him and he wrote it so fast, it was, it was like spiritual. Because see, around that time, Sam was changing. He was reading a lot of books he stopped, he stopped putting all that perm stuff in his hair. He let it grow out natural. And he was also good friends with Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, and Martin Luther King during that time. He was also good friends with uh, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., who wanted Sam to come to Las Vegas and make some money by performing. And y'all know during that time, the mafia, they ran Las Vegas. And I can't, I can't wait to get to that Sammy Davis Jr. story too for y'all. But um, that's when Sam had to let Bobby go because he was losing money at the record label. Plus, he wanted Bobby to get back with his brothers and be successful like the Beatles. A week later, after letting them go, Bobby got the news that Sam Cooke had been shot and killed in a motel. Man, I be getting to that. I gotta get to that Sam Cooke story later for y'all. Now, according to Bobby Womack. The stories he heard during that time about Sam's death was that the mafia put a hit out on him. He also heard that the white people in the record business wanted him dead. But later on, the other story came out about him and some prostitute in a motel or something like that. Now, after Sam died, everybody was trying to get to Sam's wife, Barbara, for money and other things. And that's when Bobby felt 
it was his duty to protect her because Sam was his mentor. Whenever she got a new boyfriend, Bobby would run them off. And that's when Barbara was like, okay, you keep running my boyfriends off. Well, I guess you just going to have to be my man then. Now, they ended up getting married and that's when the hate came from the fans and Sam Cooke's family. And Bobby was getting a lot of backlash. Whenever he went on the stage, they booed him and the radio banned his songs, which led to him doing cocaine. But see, Sam Cooke's brother, Charlie, was no joke. He told Bobby, when he see him, it's going to be a problem. Sam Cooke's family felt real disrespected that Bobby would do that. But Bobby said he just felt like it was the right thing to do for Sam. Now, when Bobby went to Chicago, he called Sam Cooke's brother Charlie up and told him he was in town because Bobby just wanted to get the beating over with. Whatever they was going to do, he just wanted it over with. Now, Barbara knew how crazy Charlie, Sam Cooke's brother was. So she bought her gun, but Bobby took the bullets out because he knew Barbara was crazy too, and she'll shoot. Sam Cooke's brother, Charlie, beat Bobby so bad, left him with his teeth through his lip, broken jaw, and his hair swollen like a watermelon, blood everywhere. And, and Barbara was mad that Bobby took the bullets out the gun because she was trying to shoot Charlie, but at the end of the day, Nobody died, which Bobby Womack wanted. Now, they also had a son together named Vincent, named after Barbara and Sam's son, who name was also Vincent that died at the age of two years old after drowning in the pool. But you know, the relationship between Barbara and Bobby didn't last because Bobby ended up sleeping with Sam and Barbara's teenage daughter, Linda Cook, which led to him being shot by Barbara after she caught them in the bed. Linda Cook, years later, ended up marrying Bobby's brother, Cecil Womack, and they formed a little songwriting company. They ended up writing a Teddy Pendergrass hit, uh, Love TKO. After that, Bobby started working with Ray Charles because nobody would play his music on the radio and he needed some money and he wanted to still play the guitar. But playing for Ray Charles didn't last long because Bobby said Ray was too wild for him. Now, Bobby said he had to wear hand-me-down suits that would have him itching because the last guy that had him had to clap. He said Ray Charles be talking about how beautiful his girlfriends were, but they really was ugly. He said Ray Charles be trying to fly the airplane. He said he be driving cars and running and crashing into people. But the last resort was when him and Ray got into an argument and Ray threatened to slap him. After that, Bobby got with Wilson Pickett, which really got him back in the industry and, and led to him working with Aretha Franklin, Jackie Wilson, Dusty Springfield, and others. Even Elvis Presley wanted to work with Bobby. You know, they say uh, Elvis, Elvis stole everything he knew from black artists. I got to get to his story, too. Now with Wilson Pickett, Wilson Pickett looked out for him. Wilson Pickett tried to get his label to sign him, but they passed on him. So Wilson Pickett recorded the songs that Bobby wrote, like um, I'm a Midnight Mover and I'm in Love. But Bobby ended up leaving Wilson Pickett too because 
he was crazy too. Now, Wilson Pickett was a wild boy, he said. He said one time Wilson Pickett showed him his closet and it was stacked to the ceiling with money because he didn't believe in banks. I had to get to that Wilson Pickett story too. Bobby also said that he was the reason that Wilson Pickett got hooked on coke, which he regretted. Now, after working with Wilson Pickett, Elvis Presley, and all those other artists, he got a record deal with Minute Records and released the album titled Fly Me to the Moon with the single California Dreaming, which reached number 43 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and number 20 on the Billboard R&B singles chart. Also around that time, he met rock blues soul singer Janis Joplin, who wanted him to write her a song. Now, after riding in Bobby's Mercedes-Benz, it inspired her to record a song called Mercedes-Benz, and they did another song too called Trust Me that same night for her album. While working on that song, Janis said her drug dealer was coming and she told Bobby to leave. And hours later, she died from a heroin overdose. I mean, Bobby, he worked with a lot of people from Sly Stone, who was another wild boy during that time. Ike and Tina Turner. Bobby said, Ike Turner used to lock artists in the studio for days and weeks and wouldn't let you leave. And he also worked with uh, George Benson, who remade the hit Breezin, which Bobby Womack did first. Man, I love that song, Breezin. Especially, uh, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince version called Time to Chill. On September 15th, 1971, Bobby Womack released the album titled Communication, which had the single That's the Way I Feel About You, which hit number two on the Billboard R&B singles chart and number 27 on the Billboard pop chart. And he kept the hits rolling that same year with another album titled Understanding with the songs Women's Gotta Have It, which reached number one on the R&B chart, and the song Harry Hippie, which was dedicated to his brother, which hit number eight on the R&B charts, giving Bobby his first certified gold single. Now, more opportunities would come to Bobby, and in the 70s, black movies were becoming popular. He ended up doing the whole soundtrack for the movie Across 110th Street, and I love that song too. That's one of my favorite songs he did too. They also played that song in the 1997 movie Jackie Brown with Pam Greer, Robert De Niro, and Samuel Jackson. On June 8th, 1973, he released the album titled Facts of Life with the hit single Nobody Wants You When You're Down and Out, which hit number two on the Billboard R&B singles chart. But in 1974, he faced tragedy when his brother Harry was stabbed in the neck by his girlfriend after she thought he was cheating when she saw women clothing when he was at Bobby's house, which turned out to be Bobby's girlfriend's clothes. The sad part is he came out on the porch and the neighbors saw him, but they didn't help him as he bled to death with the knife in his neck. In 1978, more tragedy would come when Bobby's infant son named Truth fell between the bed and suffocated. His wife Regina told him to go check on the baby, but instead he went to snort some coke first. Losing his baby put Bobby in a deep depression and got him real heavy into drugs. 
And then more tragic news came when Bobby's oldest son, Vincent, who he had with Barbara, ended up taking his own life at the age of 21 years old by a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. But you know, years later, Bobby would continue to drop classic hits like If You Think You're Lonely Now, which hit number three for four weeks on the Hot Soul Singles chart. I mean, every time I hear that song, I think of the KC from Jodeci version in the, uh, the movie Jason's Lyric, where Alan Payne was trying to get at Jada Pinkett at the bus stop. But that album, The Poet, it was a good album. Another song on there I like is uh, Where Do We Go From Here? That's my junk too. The Poet album, it did hit number one on the R&B charts and it probably is his uh, most successful album. After that, he did some other songs I love, like Love Has Finally Come At Last with Patti LaBelle. Man, they were singing on that one. I love that song too. Him and Patti went off on that. He had the song, um, I Wish He Didn't Trust Me So Much. I think that song was co-written by Linda Cook. And the song, uh, No Matter How High I Get, I'll Still Be Looking Up To You with Wilton Felder, who for the longest time I thought was Stephanie Mills singing that. But I thought that song was a beautiful song, too. They, they did. They went off on that song. All those songs just bring back memories, man. You know you know what I'm saying? It just it bring back memories, quiet storm days. But for the most part, Bobby had a good career in music. And he continued to tour the world. And he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2009. But on June 27th, 2014 Bobby Womack died at his home it wasn't revealed what was the cause but I know years earlier he was diagnosed with diabetes Alzheimer's disease and colon cancer which he beat after surgery he will truly be missed he was 70 years old R.I.P. Bobby Womack